ready to learn about wisdom today? We're in this wisdom story. How many of you guys have actually been reading through the Proverbs with me, uh, corresponding the day, the date on the calendar with the chapter? Anybody been trying that out? It's good, isn't it? Like it gives you just like that much of a start, these little nuggets of wisdom and truth in our lives to steer us. In fact, today is when I think I was reading chapter 30. It kind of starts off with, I'm tired and I'm worn out and I'm weary. Anybody can respond to that one like, a, yes, that's me. And then there's some good, the whole rest of the chapters just kind of talking about that and how do we deal with that in life. So today we're going to get a little bit more on wisdom. Um, let me start off by asking you guys this. How many of you guys enjoy Zippy's Chili in here? Anybody? Come on, you know it's good. It's so good. Like, now, hands down, Zippy's chili is not the best chili on planet Earth, right? Can we all agree on that? Like, it's like, <laughs> right, right? But I mean, but my kids won't eat anything else. I try to give them the canned stuff, the Hormel, the cattle drive, the stag, the whatever, right? And they just want Zippy's. And one of them wants no bean. And the good thing about Zippy's is they can give you no bean chili or chili with beans, right? And it's just comfort food, and we just love Zippy's chili, don't we? You know, there's even the Taco Bell that offers Taco Bell and Zippy's chili. You guys ever been to that one? You guys know what I'm talking about? Kaneohe used to have that one. Like there was, yeah, you could just get a cup of like Zippy's chili. Nobody remembers that? You guys don't eat healthy like I do? <laughs> but it was always a gamble because I'm like there for tacos, but there's Zippy's chili. I, I'm torn, right? But um, there's always been this rumor that there's been like, what makes it so good? What's the secret ingredient? And there's been a couple ingredients that people have tossed around because no one knows for sure. And one of them is peanut butter. Anybody heard that one? Any local people, right? There's peanut butter in the Zippy's chili. That also makes it so good. Other one is mayo, mayonnaise, right? The wonderful white food, like mayo. Like, and we just don't know, but it tastes so good. You eat Zippy's chili, there's no other. It's like so good. What about this one? Another food that tastes really good that's well known is at Boots and Kimos in Kailua. Anybody ever eat Boots and Kimos? All of Japan, all of Japan eats at Boots and Kimos. <laughs> Like the tour bus is just unload and go spend all your, your yen. At, at, um. But what is their, their, their best thing on the menu is the macadamia nut sauce on the pancakes. Anybody had that? It's good, right? But we don't really know what goes into it. It's just like we keep coming back for more. It's like crack, like, ah, first one's free. Ah, you know? <laughs> we don't know what it is. But some people say, hey, the secret ingredient, it's got the secret ingredient. All it is is macadamia nut ice cream that's melted down and turned into something. Whoa. I don't know if it is. I really tried to research on Google and all of this and figure this stuff out. I couldn't really tell you for sure 100%. Maybe someone that works there, but they're probably sworn to secrecy. But all I know is end result, Zippy's chili, amazing. I don't know what the secret ingredients are. Like, like mac nut pancake, I don't know what's in that secret sauce. Another thing I recently learned, you might laugh at me because it wasn't until like just a few years ago as a grown-up that I learned that Caesar salad has anchovies in it. How many of you guys already knew that? Gosh, I'm so dumb. Um, but I learned that, and I was like, anchovies? Like, gross, like little fish, like, ew. But I love it, and it's just like, there's secret ingredients. And you're, are you telling me, literally, there's a raw egg in the dressing? Did you guys know that one, too? Oh, you guys know everything. Um, but secret ingredients, right? Sometimes you, you, you don't need to know. But sometimes it's so good that you want to know because you want to reproduce it, you want to make it in your life. Now, today what we're talking about is the secret recipe of contentment. Last week we talked about the main ingredient is wisdom, right? The, the, the foundation of all wisdom is what? The fear of the Lord. Thank you. Some of you paid attention. So 
We're talking about wisdom in this whole series that we're on out of the book of Proverbs. And it says in Proverbs 4, 7, let me bring you up to speed. Last week we said, wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom, though it costs all you have, get understanding. That wisdom is a thing, if we're chasing anything in life, we should be chasing after wisdom because it shows us how to love people better. It shows us how to solve problems better. It shows us how to have a relationship with God better. And we talked about four people, if you remember, that Proverbs talks about in, the, um, in, the, in regards to wisdom. It says people that lack it, number one, is the simple and there's people that we're not making wise decisions, not because we're bad, we just haven't learned yet. And so we want to press in, we want to learn, we're just naive, the simple. Then it says the second type of people is the fool, where you actually know better, but you choose to risk it your way anyway. Well, God's word says this, but, remember about that but, that's a dangerous but, a stinky but, we don't deal with that but, like, we don't say we know better and then go the opposite, you're a fool. You're foolish. That's going to lead to harm. You're going to hurt yourself. The third person is, is fool leveled up, if you remember this. It's the mocker. The mocker says, I know the right thing to do. I'm going to do it my way anyway, and I'm going to bring other people down with me. I'm going to be critical. I'm going to tear people down. I'm going to go against this stuff. That's dangerous. That's toxic, and it can be contagious. The only cure for that is God actually intervening in their life and doing something big. And then the fourth type of person that, that Proverbs is all about is the wise the wise. And remember what we said that in order to become wise, we talked about this morning, the foundation, the main ingredient is fear of the Lord. Meaning my view of God isn't like I'm scared of him. I'm fearful of him. In that way, I'm going to run from him. It's that I understand God with holy fear and reverence and respect and authority. And just, I come before him with humility saying three things, God, you're awesome. God, you're holy. You're so set apart. You're above and beyond me. And God, you are always right. And if we have that kind of a healthy fear of the Lord, then wisdom comes right along with it. Well, today, I want to read to you guys a different verse in Proverbs. Proverbs 19.23, that tells us about this wisdom based on the fear of the Lord. It says this, fear of the Lord leads to life, and it actually brings security and protection from harm. The NIV version says, the fear of the Lord leads to life, and then one rests content, untouched by trouble. So we're talking about today, contentment. What is a secret recipe for contentment? Because how many of you guys would say there's people in your life that you know that they're just always content? Does anybody know anybody like this in your life that you look at them and there's literally for them no bad days? Like you just, you talk to them and you're like, hey, what's going on today? Well, I got a flat tire on the way to work and my car's on the side of a road, but hey, but praise God that just gives me an opportunity. I'm gonna buy new tires and everything's good. And you're like, no, everything's bad. Like that's, it's not good, Right? Like, well, how's your life going? What's today? Well, I just got diagnosed with this illness or whatever, but you know what just drives me to my knees in prayer? My God is a good God. He's a, he's a healer, and I'm just like closer to him than ever. No, that's, that's terrible news that you just got, right? For those of us that are critics, we're like, no, but people that have learned the secret recipe to contentment is they live life to the fullest, that they're fully engaged and present in everywhere that they're at, and they're at peace, and they're okay with what's going on, no matter what's going on. So how do the rest of us, because we all have those friends that we want to be like, how do the rest of us figure this out? So we're going to talk about the secret recipe of contentment today. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this thing down, because this is a really big one. The biggest enemy of contentment, biggest enemy of contentment is this one word, comparison. The biggest enemy of, be, of us being content and happy and at peace with what we have is comparison, meaning look what I have versus what everybody else has, and I fall short. Comparison. Let's talk about that. Proverbs talks about it in chapter 14, verse 30. It says, a peaceful heart 
leads to a healthy body. But jealousy, which is the same word here, meaning for the word comparison or envy, says jealous, jealousy is like cancer in the bones. And the biggest enemy of living a life that is just like, no matter what, I'm okay, I'm, I'm at peace, I'm satisfied, I'm, I'm doing okay, is comparison when you look at what everybody else has. And, and we're gonna talk about two things that the comparison does and why it makes us um, not content. And the first one is this, is I'm not content with what I have. Write that down in your notes. I think you gotta fill in the blank or something. Here's what comparison does. It says, I'm not content with, number one, what I have. In other words, what I have isn't good enough. Or maybe it's good enough, but not for long. Like, you guys all know this. Anybody at iPhones in here? Come on, who's got the Apple iPhone in here, right? And the Apple iPhone 6 was amazing until the 7 came along, right? And the 7 was the best thing out there until iPhone X, the 10. And you're like, what? Like, so you're happy with it for a little bit. And then, you're, you know, my, my contentment goes away because I compare it to the larger screen, the better retina display, the blah, 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 blah you know, all of this stuff. And it's like, well, oh, it's not good anymore. See, the biggest thing that... that it says, comparison is the thief of joy. The biggest thing that seals our joy and our contentment is that what I have, my belongings, my whatever, it's just not good enough because I look at somebody else who's got better. And I think for all of our lives, social media has made our lives better in some regards. We get to stay in touch with people around the world. We use it for good things. We learn about people in the world and develop relationships. But partially the negative side of it is it seems like everybody else has better stuff than me. Does anybody feel that way when you look on social media? You're like, what? You took a vacation where? And all I get is a staycation. Like, I'm just here, and you're traveling the world. And I look at everybody's, that's your car? That's your house? And that's, like, your kids are better than my kids. Like, what the heck? You know, like, and everything suddenly, like, my kids aren't watching. It's all good. Like, <laughs> I'm just using it as an example. Kids, I love you if you're ever watching this. Kylie, Isaac, Sammy, you're my joy, my treasure. <laughs> my heart's desire. But we look at people and we compare, right? We look at social media and we're like, your food is better than my food. Like, what in the world? Your pets are more well-behaved than my pet is behaved. Like, everything looks better. The grass is greener on the other side. And this steals our contentment because what happens? We get ungrateful. I don't like what I have anymore. Like, this sucks. This is what all, this is all I have? Oh, man, look what you have. And we get resentful. We get, we get bitter. We get envious. We get jealous. We walk around feeling greedy and materialistic because you're always needing something more. Like, I need something more to make me happy. I have this, yeah, but I need that. Like, I need something better. I need something more. I need what you have. You know, there's that, that term that we use um, in, in social media, and it's one of those little hashtag things that we do. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the F-O-M-O, -O, FOMO. Who's familiar with FOMO in here? You've heard of that expression. You've seen it before. How many of the rest of you guys are just living in like 1800s right now? You don't know. <laughs> FOMO, okay. Let me bring you up to speed a little bit. You need a little, little more wisdom than just biblical today, okay? i give you some street cred online today. So FOMO, F-O-M-O, -O, stands for fear of missing out, right? You see somebody with better stuff, and you're like, ah, oh, hashtag FOMO. Like... <laughs> I wish you would have invited me. I wish I'm missing out on something like that. And it's what it is, is another form of comparison. Is what I have isn't good enough and I have this fear. Literally, we walk around with anxiety because someone else is doing something or eating something or, or whatever that is better and we're missing out and we're not content. We have this constant anxiety of FOMO. Like my, 
my wife's dog, like the kids always tease, tease the wife's dog. Um, our little dog is a, a Jack Russell mix with Chihuahua. So it's a little like, you know, like little, little loud dog. And um, its name is Richter. I at least got to name it, right? That's a cool name. Rick, it was going to be for my son, but my wife was like, no, that's not a cool name for a, a boy. So you can name the dog. So Richter, um, and he's a crazy, ah, off the Richter scale. But Richter is like wild and energetic and whatnot. But here's the deal with Richter is um, there's always stuff going on in the house right now because my, my grandfather lives now, or not my grandfather, my father-in-law lives in the living room with us. And, and there's, just a, there's always stuff going on in our house. And Richter, though he gets really tired, he refuses to take a nap or lay down because he has FOMO. He has fear of missing out. So he'll be laying down and he'll be like, and you see him like, he wants the nap, but he can't because he's like, someone might drop food, someone might pet me, something might go on. And so he cruises around the house and you just see him wearing down and he's like, uh, and he's like, he just, he fights it until everybody goes to sleep in the house and he's got to be exhausted like all the time. But this is how we are. This first thing about comparison is we are not content. Why? Because we don't have what's good enough for us because someone else has it. And we are looking out there and we're bitter, we're resentful, we get anxiety because everything's better around us. Second reason why we're not content is we're not content with who I am. I'm not content with who I am. You're not content with who you are. It's not just what I have that I'm in content, but actually who I actually am as a person. My self-identity, my self-worth is Listen, we make all the excuses in the world. I'm not smart enough. Man, my friends are smarter. Or that. I just, that's, this is me. Or my body doesn't look as good. I'm not in shape. I'm not healthy. I'm not, these guys are doing their keto diet and I'm over here like Big Mac diet. You know, like, ah, oh, I'm, not, I'm not as healthy as someone else. Like, like me personally, like I'm ugly. I don't have skill. I don't have talent or I, I don't have that kind of a, a, a personality that's so fun. I'm boring. Or we make the excuse, I'm too young, I'm too old, I'm too tall, I'm too short, I'm too skinny, I'm too fat, like whatever it is, we're, we're not happy. How come that guy is, all of their prayers get answered, they're so spiritual, they're close to God, what's up with me? How come I'm not there? How come they can kick those habits and I got all these bad habits? I went to the, um, the eye doctor a couple weeks ago. What's the eye doctor called? Optometrist? Yes. Okay, got it. I knew it was one of those words. Um, I went to the optometrist the other week and they, they put me through the whole deal because the stuff that I look at that's far away, like street signs and stuff that's kind of important, like stoplights and stuff, kind of important, right? Having a hard time seeing that stuff. And so I went, they do all these tests and all of this stuff. And the doctor, she's testing me, super nice and everything, but she goes, oh yeah, you have any problems with your eyes? No, no, you have glaucoma or whatever. Like, no, no, none of that stuff. And then she goes, oh, has one of your eyes always been bigger than the other one? I was like, what? I'm like, I guess so, but thanks for just building my insecurity for the rest of my life. And she's like, oh no, it's okay. And she goes, oh yeah. And you know, your, your eyes aren't perfectly symmetrical. And I was like, ah, stop. You're not helping me. And she goes, no, but everybody's like that. It's no big, it's not super common. Everybody's, nobody's perfectly symmetrical, blah, 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 blah. Right. And I'm just like, Oh, now I have a complex. Thank you. Thank you for giving me glasses and anxiety. But here's the thing is all of us would say either I'm not content with what I have or I'm, I'm just not content with who I am. I'm not the person I never, I never thought I'd be here in life right now. Like, I, I don't know. I'm not really valuable. I can't name three things that are good about me. This is common. 
And we get depressed. We get even suicidal. Like, I mean, that's, it's becoming a big thing in our day and age. And we get a poor self-image. We feel worthless. We feel dumb. We feel insignificant. We feel depressed. Right? We, get, we isolate ourselves. It leads to loneliness. All of this simply because I'm not content with just who I am as a person. Now, let me tell you the secret to being content because there's good news for us here today. And we learn it from the Apostle Paul in Scripture. Now, Proverbs is written way back in the Old Testament, but Paul is in the New Testament. Now, here's the deal with Paul is, Paul was this apostle and all of this crazy stuff happened to him in his life. Like, uh, he, was, he took all these hits for sharing the gospel and he was, he was uh, persecuted and he was beaten up and he was whipped and stoned and all kinds of stuff had happened to him. And yet, Paul just had this disposition that was just like, you know what, I'm okay with everything. Like, I, I've, I've learned the secret to contentment. So today, we're gonna talk about the secret recipe to being content. And I wanna just make this point, is that Paul himself, because I would read the Bible sometimes and I would say, Paul, man, he was created like that. He had that personality. He's just, he's just a happy person. He's optimistic. I'm not that way, God, so this is hard for me. But here's what Paul teaches us in the book of Philippians as Paul is writing about contentment. He said he's not normally like that. He wasn't naturally born like that. It actually says, we're about to read, that Paul had to learn how to be content and how to find the wisdom that said contentment is the way to go in life. That Paul learned it. So there's hope for you and I today. We're sitting in this, this message today. We're listening to what the Bible says. And just like Paul learned it, because Paul was a student of the Old Testament. So he learned about the Old Testament law. He had this amazing mentor, Gamaliel, that everyone was like, man, that guy's the man. Well, he's really smart. And Paul studied all this. So he studied the book of Proverbs and Psalms and all this. But he himself had to learn the secret to being content, just as we're about to learn right now. So if you're in here right now and you're just naturally like a glass is half empty person, there's hope for you. If you're naturally critical, you're naturally down, there's hope that you can learn the secret to being content. So here's what Paul writes in Philippians 4, 11 through 13. He says, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Remember that. He learned. He had to get there. I've learned how to be content. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret, meaning it's not obvious to all of us. We have to dig and we have to discover the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. And here's the secret, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And in Philippians 4.12, in the message version, the same writing, but they just use different words, it says, I found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. So what I want to give you right here today is a recipe. A recipe means you add several ingredients. It could be the secret peanut butter in the chili, the secret melted ice cream on the pancake, whatever it might be. I'm going to give you three things today that I believe that I see in the life of Paul that backs up what Proverbs is saying about contentment. That if you take these ingredients, now this is the funny thing is, sometimes the ingredients that you have, you already have, but you don't really, you don't lock onto the contentment until you put them all together and then it becomes the recipe, and it's complete. Some of these things you're already going, I already do this in life, but I didn't know if I mixed it with that and that. I'm missing a couple of them. If you put all three of these things together based on Paul's life, you're going to be, as, as the word says, you're going to be content. So here's the three things that I want to talk about, the three ingredients, and here's the first part. The first ingredient is, write this down in your notes, I'm satisfied with what I have. You need to understand that the word content, as it's used in the Bible, doesn't just mean I'm okay, I'm good enough. 
That's, that's falling short of what the word actually means. The proper translation for the word content means satisfied. It means like you ate a good meal and that feeling of like, ah, oh, that was so good. Or you go and you did your favorite thing. Like I go several hours with my friend surfing and I come in at the end of the day, I'm like, man, that was just, that was great. What a good feeling. I feel I'm satisfied with what happened right there. It's not, because this is the way you, we read our Bible sometimes. It's not like, well, I'm okay. It's good enough. It, it, that's cool. It's not like complacent. It's not mediocre. It's not good enough. It literally is saying you're satisfied. You're at peace. You're happy with what is going on. And so here's the first ingredient in the recipe is I'm satisfied with what I have. It's a mindset that says um, everything that comes at me, no matter good or bad, I'm, I'm actually, it's not just, oh, it's good enough, but I'm like, I like it. I'm happy with it. I'm at peace with it. Um, I learned this recently, is that I don't need God to change my circumstances to be content. All I need God to change is my perspective. Okay, that's a really big, interesting point right there is God doesn't need to change my circumstances if he can change my perspective. And this is what it is to have the perspective of being satisfied because perspective changes everything. And one of the things that you can do as an exercise to help you mix the secret ingredient into your life is here's a simple exercise. Make a list of all the things you're thankful for in your life. Because too many times when we go to God in prayer or we walk around in life, we're, we're seeing the glass half empty. We're seeing all the negative. We point out all the junk stuff. I go to prayer sometimes and I find out that all I'm praying is, God, I need this. Help me with that. I want that. I need, I need, I need. And I forget to balance my prayer with, God, thank you and praise you for all of this goodness that you've done in my life. And sometimes I just have to do this. This is the exercise. Is on my phone, I'll literally write it down. I'm thankful for this right now in my life, God. I'm thankful that someone blessed me today and gave me a compliment today. Lord, I'm thankful to have the money to be able to afford this place to live. Lord, I'm thankful for my children that they do this. And, and when you begin to do that, you know what it does? It changes your whole perspective on life. I told you guys I went to the optometrist a couple of weeks ago, right? And I got fitted with glasses and I got my glasses here today. So now I can, you know, when I drive, like, no worries. Like, you guys, you guys see me on the road. Oh, Carl's glasses. Okay, it's okay. So... So now I got these bad boys, right? And I'm like, yeah, you nerd. No, no, it's, it's Clark Kent. I'm dead sexy. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's good. I'll take it. But I learned that at the optometrist, like, this is, this is incredible news to me. Those of you guys that, that have glasses, your minds were blown when you put on glasses. Because, listen, the street signs that when I drive around and the people's faces that are far away and, and the words on the screen and the movies in the theater and everything like that, Nothing changed about them. But when I put on glasses, I just see those things better. Isn't that a miracle of God right there? Like, yeah, we know that, Carl. That's the dumbest thing ever. But all that happened was the circumstances didn't change, but my perspective is what got better and what improved. Do you guys get what I'm saying here today? Is the first secret to living a content life is that your attitude would go, yeah, my problems are all still there in life and everything's still brutal and all of that's still there. But your perspective is, but I'm doing better than I deserve. But those things in life that are doing that, God's gonna still work some good out of them. So I'm okay, I'm satisfied with what's going on. Listen to what Paul says, his perspective. He's writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.6. He says, true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. So I don't need to be like going, oh, I don't have this. I don't have that. I wish I had more money to do all of this. And he goes, no, if your perspective 
with a godly perspective is that you can be content with whatever you have, then that alone, that perspective alone is worth all of the stuff out there. That is great wealth in itself. He says this in Proverbs 30, which today was the chapter of the daily reading for Proverbs 30. Um, This isn't Paul speaking. This is the author of this. This one isn't even Solomon. This is not a different author in the beginning. But he says, oh God, I beg two favors from you. Let me have these before I die. First, help me to never tell a lie. In other words, help me to be honest, help me to have integrity. But the second one's important. Second, give me neither poverty nor riches. Just give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, I might deny you and say, who is the Lord? I'm a self-made man. I have money, I have riches, I don't need God. But then he says, if I'm too poor, then I might steal and insult God's holy name. I, not be, I might not be relying on God because I might be relying on myself. So he goes, God, it doesn't even matter what I have, whether I have too much, too little. Like, I just want enough that satisfies my needs, God, that my, what I have is not just good enough, but it actually satisfies me. And if we can come to this mindset and we can keep that list, then we understand this, that whatever God gives me is good. Why? Because he's a good God. He's a good, good father, right? We sing that song. And honestly, I'm doing better than I deserve. And I have better stuff in my life than I deserve. Because the word of God tells me that, that all of mankind, we were born into this world, we're born sinners, we have this selfish mindset that we've turned away from what God has for us. And what we deserve is separation from him, none of his goodness in our life. And what we deserve is when we die, we go to hell because we can't, we're not holy enough to be in his company and to be holy in heaven. So that's what I deserve, really, is a life without God, without blessing, all on my own strength, headed for hell when I die. That's what the word of God says. But because of Jesus, because of God in my life, because he answers my prayers, because he takes care of me, because he turns even ugly situations, he gives beauty for ashes. Even the most terrible things in my life, God can still do something good. And I have eternity in heaven to look forward to. Then here's what I got to do. I got to change that mindset and say, you know what? I actually, I have more than I think I have. I have more than I deserve. That I'm, I'm actually richly satisfied with where, like Paul said, to have a little, to have a lot, I'm satisfied. That's a good word right there. See, um, do you, does anybody remember what year the Toyota Tacomas got the new body style? Was it last year or was it the year before? 2016? 2016, Toyota Tacomas and Tundras got the new body style. That may not mean a lot to you, but how many of you guys, you like the looks of that new body style in the Tacomas? Come on, let's, let's be real. So here's my problem. I have a 2006 Toyota Tacoma. <laughs> of a 12-year-old, old model, the rounded, everything. So when that new model came out, you know what happened? I'm not content anymore. Like, I am running on comparison. Every time I hop in my 2006 car, I look at the 2016s and above, and I have got envy. I've got truck envy. I've got jealousy. I'm full of, like, bitterness towards my own truck because, like, ah, it's not good enough. Like, it's just not good enough. I'm not content with this thing. And I was finding, literally, you guys are going to laugh, like, I was literally finding that it was becoming a spiritual problem for me. A driver on every time. And I knew about five people in my life that all got the brand new trucks. And that just made me, I don't know if I can be your friend, man. Like, I can't. Because <laughs> I drive this. And suddenly, the truck that used to be cool to me, I wasn't content with anymore. And it literally was becoming a problem. And I said, God, I, I can't do this. I can't just drive around and be envious. Like, this is ridiculous. And I gave it to God. I said, God, I'm just, I'm, I, take that away from me. It's, it's dumb. Why am I literally anxious? Because everyone else has nicer trucks than me. And God took it away. 
And suddenly I fell in love with my truck again. My truck's got 133,000 miles on it. I haven't washed it this year at all. Like, <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> it collects sand in it from the beach and all of that. But, but I, you know, I, I learned to be actually satisfied with it. Like all my friends with the nice trucks are like scared where to park and drive. They don't want scratches. I'm like, oh, right through the bushes. I don't care. <laughs> Kids jump in with sand and salt water. Just run it hard. Yeah. Like, it's okay. And you know what? I've fallen in love because this, like, thank you, God, for giving me this. This is where I'm at in life. And maybe someday I'll get a nicer truck. But I'm not going to even focus on that. Like, what I have is actually, I'm so satisfied with it. Like, it's, it's good. And if you can mix that ingredient, that's the first ingredient that Paul was like, hey, I'm good with whatever I got. That's a huge secret ingredient to being content. Here's a second one, is I'm not just content with what I have, but I'm content with who God says I am. That's different. It's not just, I'm content with who I am. It's, I'm content with who God says I am. Because I can't trust what I think about myself. Any of you ever feel that way? Because I'm either looking in the mirror and going, man, I'm messed up, right? And I'm, and I'm actually, in reality, doing better than I think I am. But there's also times when I think I'm doing better than I really am, right? And I'm like, oh, I just did that. Yeah, I'm Carl Moore. I'm this, I'm that. And, and someone in my life has to not, no, 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 you're not that good. And so let me tell you, let me clear that up. You're not all that in a bag of chips. You're like nothing, no chips. You're just like, okay? So I can't trust myself. I can't trust what the world thinks of me or what I think of myself. See, my contentment comes from who God says I am. Amen? It's, it's what God thinks that matters. Here's what Paul writes in Philippians 3, verse 5 through 8. Paul brags a little bit about himself here. Listen to this. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. Not that we'd brag about that because that's painful. But it meant that he was like legit Hebrew customs and stuff. So he goes, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I'm not mixed race. I'm not like joined in later. Like I'm the man full blood. I was a member of the Pharisees who is this really respected, wow, these are godly men. They study about the scripture like, whoa, these are the top guys. I'm a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. I mean, I was just on fire for God's word, and I didn't like this new church of Jesus coming up. And he says, and as for righteousness, I obey the law without fault. Like, I never messed up. I never broke the law. You know what Paul is saying right here? I had intelligence. I had respect. I had authority. I had religious uh, piety. I was, uh, he, he had money that came with this. He was married because to be a member of like the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, that was one of the requirements that you were married. So he had like all of this stuff. So basically what Paul is saying was, I was the man. Like I had it all. Like according to the world standards, according to my own standards, like full-blooded Jew, Hebrew man, like I was the guy that demanded respect. But then this is what he says in verse seven. You know, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else, all my identity, all of that, that street cred, all that status, all of that wealth, all of that stuff is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. All of that that he had in life, he says, it's garbage. The word, the Greek word, one of my favorite words in, in the New Testament is skubalon. Skubalon. It means everything is this rubbish. It's gross. It stinks. It actually, Paul says it in other 
versions, it's considered dung. If you look up the Greek word, it says an ex- excrement of an animal. So I don't know if this was bull scubalon or horse scubalon, but it was doo-doo, right? Paul is making it very clear that like all of my identity, all of that the world says about me, all that I thought about myself, all of this like reputation, status, and everything, doo-doo compared to knowing God. Here's what he said. All I want to know is what my God thinks of me. Audience of one. Doesn't matter what I think of myself because I'm probably wrong. I'm either building myself up too big, big headed, or knocking myself down too much. The world's going to accuse me and make all of this stuff about me. All that matters is that who God says I am because I'm his kid. Can I get an amen to that? Some of you guys need to hear that today because you diss yourself too hard and you knock yourself down too far. And you've let other people say slander and gossip and mean things about you and knock you down. Yeah, we all have our mistakes. We all have our faults. But because of Jesus, we're forgiven of those things. Amen? And so God says, no, just focus on what I think about you. Listen, God knows what you've done. He knows where you've been. He knows who you are. He knows what people have said about you. But that's not who you are. That's not your identity. That's not what, really what's going on. So as much as I would encourage you to make a list of all the things you're thankful for that you have, try this. Try making a list of all the things you thank God for how he's created you to be. Like make a list of all the good things that God has done in you because God, when he creates things, he's the, he's the ultimate creator. He's the, the most wonderful, unique artist that all of us look a little bit different. And we need to celebrate the differences, celebrate the weaknesses as much as the strengths that too many of us walk around criticizing God because we're criticizing God's creation. You know, if you criticize God's creation, you're, you're criticizing the creator, you're criticizing the artist. And we can point out the flaws in everybody else, but sometimes we're so upset with who we are. God, why'd you make me like this? Why am I like this? Why, how come I act like this? Why come I look like this? All this. You know what you're doing? You're criticizing God. God, you made a mistake. You messed up. I'm like this. When the reality is we should be celebrating the creator. We should be thanking him because he did what he did in creating you and I on purpose. All of your struggles, all your mistakes, how you look, how you smell, all of that. God goes, I did that on purpose. Don't worry, there's a plan. There's a, there's a, there's a method behind the madness. When I started making a list the other day, I made a list of things in my life. And now listen, some of the things I'm going to list, you're going to say that's actually a flaw or a weakness. The world would tell me that's a flaw or a weakness. I used to think of it as a flaw and a weakness. But when I understand it's what God thinks about me and why he gave me those things, I suddenly feel pretty good about myself and I can be content with how God made me. Here's one of the things I wrote down about myself is um, I'm an introvert. I made a list. God, I'm going to thank you for personally being an introvert because what it shows me is that every week when I get up on stage and I manage a church that's healthy and growing and thriving, it shows me the power of God at work in my life doing something that I could never do. It's a miracle every single week I stand up on stage because my natural tendency is to hide from crowds and all that. So what I would say is that's a flaw. When I begin to make a list and I thank God for how he created me, God actually uses it to show me his power on display in my life every single week to be able to do what I do. Also, part of being an introvert means I don't go out there and throw myself around to all the people in the world. It means that the people that I love, I'm really loyal to. So thank you, God, for creating me to be the way I am. Do you guys get what I'm saying? Make a list to thank God for who you are. Uh, Even this, big words like optometrists and ophthalmologists and orthopedics and all of that, I get them all mixed up. Like, oh, yeah, you're an orthopedic? Oh, the eyes, right? No, that's feet. Oh, okay. Like, I thank God that I'm simple like that. Okay? Can I just, I'm just going to say that. 
Like, I went to Kalaheo, come on, like, public school, right? Like, I don't have all of this intellect, and I see some of my friends, and I'm like, I would want to compare. But you know what? I thank God that I'm practical and I'm simple, because you know why? It allows me to get his gospel out in a simple manner that is relevant to a wide audience of people that go, thank you for making sense of something that was hard for me to think about before. Thank you, God, for creating Carl with that kind of a mindset that is able to preach God's word in a way that people understand. So you know what? Thank you, God, for creating me because it's who you say I am, not who I say I am in my life. Lord, thank you that I love the beach, that you created me to love the beach and diving and shelling and surfing and all of that kind of stuff. You know why? Because that's where I find my Sabbath. I don't think I would have a clear understanding of Sabbath and rest time if I didn't have a place to go that's my favorite, that teaches me all the time to relax, to appreciate Jesus, to draw near to him. So thank you for wiring me this way, God. It's on my list. Thank you that I look younger than I am because I used to hate that. When I was young, I used to get carded everywhere all the time. Like all the, oh, hey, hey kid, you can't be in here. No, I pro- here's my ID, I promise. One time I bought fireworks. Listen to this. I got carded buying fireworks in California because you had to be 15. I was 22 years old. <laughs> I was like, seriously? And I was so bummed because everybody always thought, I went and I was the, the main speaker at a weekend youth camp with 600 kids in California. And I was like going to the snack bar at night and some leader goes, hey kids, you can't be over here. This is out of bounds. I'm like, no dude, I'm the speaker for the camp. Yeah, right. Go show me your name tag. Go show me your ID. I'm like, I promise, like you're gonna hear me preaching tonight. Like I'm the guest speaker. He goes, yeah, 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 ha, ha, ha. Get back to your cabin. No. But but when I really understand who God created me, that he did that on purpose, now that I'm older, I'm so appreciative of it. I'm so like, thank you. Yes. Like, you know why? Because I get to speak to a broader audience because people think I'm younger than I am. So Lord, anything that's going to help me in my life benefit you in your life, that's cool, God. I'm going to embrace. You guys get what I'm saying right now? Here's the other thing is, I've learned to thank God that he created me with the road and the valleys of suffering that I've been through, that I may be even going through right now. God, thank you for the suffering, the hardship, and the hurt, because all it does is draw me closer to your heart. All it does is bring more humility on me, and I understand that I'm anchored to Jesus Christ, not to identity, not to good times, not to, to all the mountaintop experiences in my life, but God, you know what? It hurts right now, but thank you for the trials that I go through that you made me that way on purpose and you have me go through them because it's building character and integrity in me that I wouldn't have gotten any other way. So here's that second recipe in here. Second ingredient is that you would be content with who God says you are. And here's the last thing is, is that my mission brings true contentment. We talked about content with the things we have, content with how God made us to be personally. But this is the third thing we don't think about sometimes is the mission that you and I are on brings real contentment. What is a mission? Well, God says we all have a mission as Christians. It's a great commission. It is love God and love other people. It's go out there and let people know about Jesus. Be a blessing in this world. Be light to people. Like it doesn't mean you have to always preach at them, but show the love of Jesus to, to other people. Anything you can do to, to move people towards relationship with Jesus. It's not what really matters in my life. It's not really the things that I collect. It's not really just about like, hey, just me even as a person or what I, what I have. It's, it's actually, what am I doing with that in this life? When you get to heaven on judgment day, Jesus isn't gonna say, hey, um, how good did you make yourself and your reputation and how much money did you collect and how much stuff did you gather? He's gonna go, what'd you do with what I gave you, right? 
He's, you know, what'd you do with your life? What's the mission of your life? Someone recently told me they, they've been spending their whole life chasing after this one career, and then someone opened a door, a possibility for them to get involved doing like full-time ministry. And now they're suddenly torn because they're like, I thought that my career was the end all and I can shine Jesus in this career and it's a great career path and all this stuff. But now I'm kind of feeling this tug of like, at the end of my life, am I gonna show that, that I made money, that I was successful and I had status? Or do I wanna show that if I stepped into ministry, that I was able to get to heaven and look at all the people that are here in heaven because I stepped into full-time ministry and brought people to heaven with me. It's what really matters in life. And here's what it says in Isaiah 50, verse four. The sovereign Lord has given me his words of wisdom. Today, the sovereign Lord, through the book of Proverbs and through this message, is giving us all his words of wisdom. So the sovereign Lord has given me his words of wisdom so that I may know how to comfort the weary. So that I know how to comfort. You're not just here today getting wisdom for your life, that you find contentment when you're able to bless other people's lives. Don't you guys feel good when you give a gift to someone, when it's like you bought the perfect gift, like Christmas is coming up and you already know some of you are like, I can't wait, I know that what my wife wants or I know what my friend wants, like I can't wait to give them the perfect gift. It's gonna feel so good. They're gonna, oh, they're gonna be so blessed, right? And we, we sometimes forget that we're on mission in life to give away the best gift that anyone could ever receive. Oh, what is it, like a new car? Oh, that'd be pretty cool if someone gave me a brand new car. Oh, yeah, a new house? Oh my gosh, wow, if you're rich enough to give someone a new house, incredible gift. What if you gave someone the gift of their marriage? What if you were the matchmaker that introduced the couple and now they have the greatest? That's a pretty cool gift to always say like, hey, remember who introduced you? Yep, that was me, right? That's a cool gift. Or what if you're someone that literally, there's people that need a kidney and you're like, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna give this surgery and I'm gonna give you the gift of life. And you, th there's not a lot that can top that, but I'll tell you there's one thing that can top that. The greatest gift you have to give away in life is to introduce someone to Jesus Christ because that is the eternal gift. That is the gift that for eternity, they're gonna be in heaven with Jesus. You're gonna have helped introduce them to the one that can transform their life. But not only that, they're gonna tell their family, their friends, you're changing generations. You get to heaven you're going to get up there and God's going to go, hey, what'd you do? Oh, I see what you did. Well, what do you mean you see what I did? Uh, look behind you. All the guys coming into heaven that were because of you because you were on mission. Now that's contentment. When you're chasing that in life, that's a good life. Here's what it says in Philippians 3. This is Paul speaking again. He says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have a, I've already reached perfection, but here's what I do. I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing in life, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. That Paul is saying, here's what matters to me, here's what brings me contentment in life, here's all that I do. I just wanna, I wanna live out the great calling in my life that God says, Love me, live for me, do things my way, and love the rest of the people into relationship with me. And if your life is about that, I don't care what career path you've taken and where you're at in school or whatever, but you're gonna find contentment is more than just being happy with what you have, more than just being happy with, oh, God created me this way. You're gonna go through life going, man, I was making a difference over here. I blessed that person over there. I gave this away. I brought this person to church. I, I was embodying who Jesus is in the flesh when I was serving and loving other people. And you know what? That is a content life. That is a life well lived. The other day, my sister-in-law, my wife's sister, asked her dad, who's living in our house, I told you he's 88 years old, and 
he's coming down towards the, the final stages and he's, he's got Alzheimer's and dementia and he's just, you know, we're just loving on him, but he's lived a full life. He's been in the army. He was married two times before he married my wife's uh, mom. And really those two times was, was a gift of love. He married people out of like Korea, other countries to bring them into the United States to give them a chance. They, they went their own separate way and he kind of just said, well, whatever, you know, just take whatever you have of me. And he's just this really cool, kind guy. He's been through, uh, he was a surfer, he was an athlete, he did all this stuff. And he's just got lots of life stories. He used to tell me his stories all the time. So the other day, my sister-in-law just asked, Daddy, what's your proudest achievement in life? What are you most proud of? And I was like kind of listening. Oh, this is going to be good. He's got so many stories. What's he going to say? And he stops and, you know, no more teeth in there. He's like, ah. He's thinking. And he goes, my relationship with meeting Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. And we're just like, whoa, you could have said anything. You got amazing kids. You got amazing family. You got all kind of stories. And he says, my relationship with Jesus Christ. And here's the thing. He met Jesus and his life was transformed in a real way when he was probably in his 70s, early 70s. And from then on, he got lit up with the Holy Spirit. He spoke in tongues. He just, he changed completely. And he started just going around and witnessing and sharing Jesus. His mission in life changed. He would come to Hawaii, stay with us. I've, I've told you guys this before. He would take a ride on the bus around the whole island and then, oh, where are you headed? Home. Like that is, he wasn't headed to the North Shore, to the South Shore. His whole goal was ride the bus as far as it goes around and bring me back home and I'll get off at the same bus stop. Here's his reason. I just want to sit on the bus, meet some people and tell them about Jesus. And it's like, what? And he would tell me all these cool stories about he sat next to a girl at a bus stop. Kailua started sharing about his life, the love of Jesus and that Jesus loved her. She breaks down in tears and she gets saved right there on the park bench. He would tell me like walking down Kailua Beach in the morning, he would meet with someone. He, do you know Jesus? And they're like, uh, I'm just walking on the beach, man. You know, but just the kindest heart and spirit and just starts talking, sharing his life. They give their life to Jesus Christ right there, become safe. Changing that, the best thing that we have going for us in life is to be on the mission that God has called us to. It's not about the stuff that we gather. It's about who we know. It's about what we're giving to other people. The best gift we can give away is eternal life in Jesus Christ. So understanding that, there's a three ingredients today that we talked about is, number one, if you mix in a little bit of thankfulness for what you already have, you mix in a little bit of a recipe of my identity in Christ is better than who I think I am or the world says I am, and you mix in a little bit of I'm gonna focus on my mission to love God and to love other people well, guess what? You stir that all together, it's better than Zippy's chili. You've got a recipe for contentment in your life. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads, let's pray. God, we thank you for your word that encourages us, that gives us the secret recipe to contentment. Lord, you don't leave us hanging and freaking out and wondering how to get it. You actually give us a really great recipe on how we can get there. And so, Lord, we pray that we would be those that would, that would listen, that we wouldn't be the fool. We didn't walk out of a good message like this where you're speaking to our hearts, not Carl speaking, but God speaking directly to us. Lord, we don't want to be the fool that hears it and then we do our own thing. Lord, we want to be the, the wise, the godly ones that listen, that we take it in, we put it right into practice, that this isn't just knowledge we're talking about, this is wisdom, which is applied knowledge. We got knowledge here today, Lord, but we're going to apply it to our lives so that we can live and we can weather the storm, no matter what life is like. Right now, some of us are broke, some of us are hurting, some of us are suffering, some of us have, have marriage or relationship issues, Lord, some of us have addictions or habits or, or there's loneliness or loss or depression or whatever, but Lord, we're going to press into you to find out how we can be satisfied 
even in the hard times, with a lot or with a little, Lord, that we can find satisfaction in Jesus Christ who gives us strength. Lord, help us to do that. Help us to find that this week as we make lists that just are thankful for, for what we have and for who you are. And Lord, as we go about living life, not just for us, but on mission for you. And I wanna pray right now, if there's anybody in the room today here that you're ready to take some steps towards God today. You're re- ready to say, man, I get it today. It made sense. It clicked. I, I need to change where I'm at. Lord, I, I wanna know you. If that's you here today, I'd love to lead you in a prayer, a prayer that would allow you to officially know that you are a Christian. You're a follower of Jesus Christ, that you're actually gonna begin following his way of life and surrender and let go of your own way of life and that life will get better. He'll forgive you. He'll heal what's broken in your life and you'll be a new creation in him and and you have heaven to look forward to for eternity and not that other place that we don't like to talk about, but it's a reality. If you'd like to say a prayer with me this morning to become a Christian and to know that God is in your life, he's active and he's real, I'm gonna pray with you in a minute here and I'll pray the words out loud and I'm gonna ask you to pray them quietly with me in your own heart. You say the words that I'm saying, but you pray it just to God in your own heart. God will hear you. He'll honor that prayer. I guarantee you, your life will start to change. If you wanna pray that prayer with me, um, everybody's got their eyes closed and their heads bowed, and I'm not gonna ask you to pray it out loud, but before we pray this prayer together, I'm gonna ask you one thing, that no one else is looking right now, and so it's not about like being freaked out about that, but if you'd like to say this prayer with me right now, can you just let me know who I have the privilege of praying with by raising your hand right now? Can you just raise your hand right now? If that's good, I see hands going up across the room. I see those hands that you guys are saying, I want Jesus, I wanna pray this prayer. Carl, amazing if you're in the kids' room or if you're outside in the courtyard watching or even online at home, you don't have to raise your hand in your home living room, but you, but you can just agree with this prayer right now. I saw those hands going up around the, the room, awesome. I just wanted to know that because we're gonna pray right now in a minute here. So I'm asking you, if you raise your hand, put it down. But would you make my words your words to God right now in your heart to God? Here we go. God, I'm here today and I realize that I need you. I want you. Tired of living this life on my own, in my own strength, and my own power. Lord, it's not really getting me the results I want. I need some help. So Lord, I believe that you're real, that you're in heaven, that you changed lives. And Lord, that you promise that you're here to forgive me, not to judge me, not to make me feel bad about myself, but to fix what's broken in me, to give me hope for a better day, a better tomorrow, a better eternity, actually, God. So Lord, I I receive what Jesus, your son, did when he came to earth 2,000 years ago. And he died on that cross to die for my sin and shame and guilt and mistakes and problems and, and all of that stuff, Lord. Then he rose from the dead on the third day, doing only what the Son of God could do. He defied death and life itself. He came back to life, proving that he has power over death, over sin, over shame, over the separation that we have from you. And Lord, I believe that as I trust in you and I surrender to you and follow you, that my sin was paid for at that cross. And so from now on, Father, I can be healed. I can be forgiven. I have your help. I have heaven to look forward to, Lord, and I'm on mission to let other people know the goodness that you're showing me here today as well. So thank you for being my God. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that's gonna begin a new work in me and make me a new creation, new thoughts, new desires, new ideas, new power, Lord, to get things done that are gonna be healthy for my life and not harmful. Thank you for being my God from this day forward. In Jesus' name, the church said together, amen, amen. Let's praise God for those people right now.